How's everybody doing? <laughs> so, someone over here whistled before I even got to ask, so that was, uh, that was good, that was good. Um, did everyone get to make it out to the worship night on Friday out in Cannon County? Yes. Me and, and this gentleman over here. And it's a good time. Uh, we were joking around, we were out there. Uh, two things about the worship night that I think were extra neat. One, um, if you think about it, I think Woodbury only has about 2,000 people that live there, and we had about 3,000 people on the square, so there's more people in that square than we're actually that live in that city, which is kind of a neat thing to think about. And uh, I'm going to brag on one of our uh, team members we have here on the church. One of the videos that we showed the other night, it was this animation of fire and kind of like the whole like plan of salvation and Christ coming. It was animated. Uh, Spencer that, that makes all of our videos literally drew and animated that entire video. So if you saw that, it's pretty amazing. And we're going to post it online, but it's really neat to see, uh, uh, to see believers create such powerful and good art, you know, and uh, really neat to see that. So, okay. Another thing, I want to thank you guys. Uh, there are some of you listening to me right now who have probably heard this baptism lesson 13, 15, 20 times. Some of you are probably like more than that, but... Uh, Heard this a lot of times, and I want to tell you thank you, and here's why I want to tell you thank you. I want to tell you thank you because even though you've heard this lesson a lot of times, because of the rate that the church has grown and, and um, you know, we've grown, gosh, a thousand people in the last year or whatever, something to that, that, that number, and, and just having all this growth, there's a lot of people in this room who haven't heard this lesson. And so when we come together, even though you've heard this lesson 20 times, these people who are getting baptized, that is significant life change that is happening right in front of us. We are getting to kind of see right in front of us this, this, this very evident spiritual transaction that is taking place. And I think sometimes we forget because we're kind of getting into this you know, cycle of hearing the same lesson three times a year, but every single one of those people baptized, that's an eternal soul. And we get to celebrate the fact that the family of God is getting bigger. So Thank you for coming out to this. Thank you for supporting those people who are getting baptized this weekend. It means a lot to me, and I appreciate it. Uh, I don't know how many we baptized so far this weekend, but a, a pretty good amount, and um, we'll offer that at the end of this service. And so my two goals today, my two uh, objectives, one is if you don't know much about baptism, I hope today educates you on what that is. You may know that it's someone getting in water, but beyond that, you may not really know why we do that or where that is in the scripture. My first goal today is to show you where that is in the Bible and show you how big of a deal it is, how important it is to someone who has accepted Christ. My second goal is this. If you have not done this, or maybe you did it when you were an infant and it wasn't your decision, or, or if you have not done this as an adult, my second goal today is to encourage you to take this step. God will bless you for it. It'll be a great thing for you. Uh, I've, we've baptized three or 4,000 people at this church over the years, and I don't think one person has ever come up being like, eh, it was all right. It's a huge thing in people's life. It changes them, and uh, God will bless you for your obedience. So those are my two goals, okay? So you should have gotten a handout at uh, whatever entrance you came out, uh, came out, came into. You should have gotten a handout. Uh, everything will be on the screens and if you have the Experience Community app, everything is on the app. If you click on service times, sermon notes, everything is there. And today we're going to be hopping around uh, so you won't necessarily need your Bible. All the scripture will be up there. But next week we will be back in the, the, the super fun book of Ecclesiastes. We'll be in chapter two. And uh, I think we're good. All right, one last thing. 
I'm gonna apologize. A couple of weeks ago at our vision service, I equated 50 plus as elderly, and I think I got about 75 emails about that. So uh, for all of you, I've now determined that elderly is over 100. So once you've crested that, you're now elderly. But all the rest of you, my, my sincerest apologies. So, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna pray. I'm digressing already, so here we go. Lord Jesus, God, I just wanna thank you so much. Lord, I love this church so much, Father. Um, God, I pray that you keep your hand on us this morning. Lord, I pray that everything that we talk about today, that it honors you. I pray that it blesses people that hear it. I pray that if there's anyone in this church that needs to respond in this way today, God, I pray, Lord, that they take that step. Father, we pray for every church in our community. We pray for every church that we work with in the United States, all the ones that we work with outside of the United States. God, we pray for the great nonprofits that we work with. And again, Father, we just pray that everything we do today, that it makes you proud and that it honors you, Lord. We love you, we thank you, and we give all of this to you, Lord. And we pray all these things in your son's name. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you don't know much about baptism, it's, it's simple in some ways. What it is is kind of simple. It's a public and symbolic display that one has chosen to become a Christian. Pretty simple. This is where the Bible says we become a new man or a new woman. It's where the Bible says that we're brought to life. I always use the analogy of a wedding ring, and I have a hard time getting mine off. But this is not my marriage. This is symbolic of the fact that I am spoken for, that I'm taken, right? So baptism is not your salvation. It's a representation of the fact that you are spoken for. You have a spiritual husband, Jesus Christ. So very, very similar to a wedding ring. It's a response to having a relationship with God. So basically, baptism identifies us as believers, as Christians. And it's the most evident, the most visible thing we can do to say to the world around us, we are followers of Jesus Christ. It should also be a turning point. As we go through this kind of progression of a relationship with God, there's all these turning points. You know, when we first accept God, first accept Christ as our Savior, it's a turning point. When we ask God to forgive us of our sins, that's a turning point. It's a mile marker. And when we get into the, the waters of baptism, that's another turning point. It's a very special one because the world around us, our Christian brothers and sisters, because we've made that step, now they kind of hold us accountable. We're kind of taking a big step up, right? And we're saying to the people around us, I have chosen to honor Jesus Christ with my life. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to pull out some different pieces of evidence from the Bible. And I'm going to kind of build a case for why you should be baptized if you haven't been baptized yet. The first piece of evidence may be the strongest, and it's the fact that Jesus was baptized and that he set the example for how we should live. Now, if you get into the Bible, if you have a physical copy of the Bible, if you get into the Bible, one of the biggest differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament is how mankind dealt with sin. In the Old Testament, it was pretty rigorous. You had to get an animal, you had to sacrifice it. You had to pour the blood on an altar. You had to eat certain parts of it, throw away certain parts of it, burn certain parts of it. It was a pretty rigorous process that the Old Testament talks about. And what that did for sin is it didn't get rid of the sin. It pushed it forward to the next year when you had to do that process again. Now, the difference between that and in the New Testament after Jesus came is Jesus Christ was going to set a new way to where we can completely get rid of our sin. So when it talks about in the New Testament that Jesus on the cross forgave all the sins of the future and the present and the past, 
It was all of those sins that had been pushed forward for generation and generation and generation. When Jesus came, he obliterated that. Now, instead of killing animals like they did in the Old Testament, we do something called baptism, right? That kind of is a little bit different. It's a lot different and much easier and a little bit cleaner, right? So what happened was this. There was a man named John the Baptist who was paving the way for Jesus Christ to come. And all day long, he would be in the Jordan River baptizing people. That's how you get the name the Baptist, right? He's baptizing people. One day, Jesus walks up. He gets into the water, goes to John the Baptist, and he says, John, I need you to baptize me. Imagine how John felt in that moment, knowing who Jesus was, God in flesh, right? And God in flesh walked up and said, baptize me. John goes, oh, I can't do that. You should be baptizing me. It should be the other way around. But Jesus told John, he said, this is what God wants out of us now. So Jesus was going to be the example of the new way of addressing sin in our lives. So John says, okay, I agree to that. So John took Jesus, he baptized him. Jesus came up out of the water. It says the heavens opened up. The Holy Spirit came down and the people who were there that day heard the voice of God. And the voice of God said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So we learn three very important things from Jesus's baptism. We learn first that Jesus didn't have to get baptized. He, didn't, he, he hadn't done anything wrong. He was perfect. He had nothing to ask for forgiveness for. But Jesus did it because he wanted to be obedient to his heavenly father, to God, right? The second thing we learn is that Jesus never asks us to do anything that he hasn't already done first. That's interesting. And then the last thing we learn is baptism makes God happy. He looks down and he says, that's my boy. I'm proud of him. So if you get baptized, he looks down, that's, that's my girl. I'm proud of her. That's my son. I'm proud of him. God loves when we get baptized. It's because of our obedience. Another piece of evidence for you to consider is that when we're obedient and we get baptized, there is an activation in our soul that takes place. What do I mean by that? So this relationship with God that we have is a process. And throughout this process, as we move through it, the more and more obedient we become, the more we become set apart for God to use us. The fancy Christian word for that is sanctification. It's not one we use a whole lot, right? You walk into just love and you're like, hey guys, doesn't it feel good to be sanctified? People just think you're pretentious, right? It's not one we throw out a lot. But the more we honor God, the more God uses us. And he gives us promises one of those promises includes baptism. It's found in the book of Acts, and I'll show you here in a second. But what it is is basically this, that when we ask God to forgive us of our sins, we repent. We get baptized as a sign of our public profession of faith. God promises that the Holy Spirit will be activated in our lives, and we will be empowered to live in a way that we are incapable of living without the Holy Spirit. Now, that comes from the book of Acts, right after the Gospels in the New Testament. This is where the church begins, in the second chapter of Acts. And what happens is, the context behind that, is Jesus told his, his followers before he ascended into heaven to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. So about 50 days, about two months had passed. There was a, a little remnant, about 100 plus, 120 people hanging out in this upper room in Acts chapter 2, and they're waiting on the Holy Spirit. They have no idea what that's going to look like. But it says as they waited on the Holy Spirit and prayed, 
It says that the Holy Spirit came into the room like a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the believers, metaphorically or spiritually, lit them on fire. They started to speak in other languages that they didn't know. They poured out onto the street. You know, the Jewish people are walking around. It's about nine o'clock in the morning and they're walking around with their coffee going to work and they see all the Christians pouring out onto the street and they look at their eye sundial on their wrist and they're like, it's only nine o'clock, what's up with it? Man, the 11 o'clock really appreciated the eye sundial thing, but it's okay, it's okay guys, I'll, I'll get past it. And so they notice that all the Christians are poured out onto the street and they're like, man, it's nine o'clock, they must be drunk or something, what's going on? So Peter the head of the Christian church, he gets up and he, he gathers the crowd's attention. He says, guys, he looks at his eye sundial too and he goes, it's only 9 a.m. It's too early to get drunk, right? They're, they're not drunk. What is happening is the Holy Spirit of God has been poured out on his people. This is something the prophets had talked about hundreds of years before this, this took place. It's what Jesus promised. And so Peter got in front of these people and he told them how this took place. God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. He resurrected and he is pouring out God's spirit. And he told the people, you guys had the savior crucified. What's crazy is the people believed Peter and they asked Peter the, the, the most important question ever. They said, Peter, what do we do now? We believe what you said about Jesus, now what? And Peter gave us a very, very important sermon. He said, what you have to do is you have to repent for your sins. And then he says, be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And when you do this and do this, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, this is a promise. It's a promise for you. It's a promise for your kids. It's a promise for all these people who haven't even heard this lesson yet. And it says that Peter continued to teach them and encourage them. And he said, be saved from this corrupt generation. So look at this, very important. Those who accepted the message of Jesus were baptized. About 3,000 people in one day. It's a lot of people getting baptized. But they responded to accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. So what we, what we do here, what we talk about in this, in this chunk of this lesson, is that baptism has a hand in the Holy Spirit being activated in our lives. And now there's a lot of Christians who are afraid of the Holy Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. That's one-third of God's makeup. We don't need to be afraid of it. We need to be educated about it. And one of the best things you can do to be educated about the Holy Spirit is read parts of the Word of God. Now, I recommend, if you've repented and if you get baptized, read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. We learn not only that we get fruit of the Spirit, but we have gifts of the Spirit that God has given us. And we use these gifts to lift up the church, to grow our relationship with God, right? To advance the kingdom. Don't be afraid of those things. We need the Holy Spirit working in us because this life is crazy. But baptism has a hand in that activation. So I just want to look at Greg's arm in this picture. It looks really great. For a guy in his mid-50s, that arm looks absolutely fantastic. So it's not Photoshopped or anything. I was putting this PowerPoint together and I'm like, Man, Greg's looking good. My arms don't look that good. Anyways, another piece of evidence <laughs> is that Jesus simply tells us to do this. I don't know if anyone else in this room is naturally rebellious besides me. 
I have this rebellious streak in me. If a band gets popular, I stop listening to them. I've never watched Stranger Things to this day because of my rebellious spirit. I have these issues, right? And so all of us in this room are fallen. And some of us naturally tend to be rebellious. Now that's fine and good when it comes to TV shows. But when it comes to the word of God, we cannot be rebellious against what God tells us to do. Sometimes, even if we don't understand why God tells us to do something, if he tells us to do it, we have to do what he tells us to do. Now, if you get into the Gospels, in the book of Matthew, we have what's called the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. And it is a very straightforward command from Jesus for what Christians should be going out and doing. Jesus says this. He says, go out and make disciples, baptize them, and teach them everything that I've taught you. That is very simple. If you break that down in the Greek, it says the exact same thing that it says right here. Very straightforward. And Jesus says, I'm with you to the end of the age. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, if you love me, you will do what I tell you to do. You'll keep my commands. And one of Jesus's commands to Christians was to disciple, baptize, and teach others. Extremely straightforward. Another piece of evidence, and one that I think I like the most, is that when we're baptized, we are made into new creations. We are identified with Jesus's resurrection. Isn't that a wonderful picture? So the symbolism of a fresh start is a huge component in baptism. Baptism, the reason why we dunk people in water like this, is when you go under the water, it's symbolic of you being buried, dead, right? The old self is dying. And then when we pull you out of the water, it's symbolic of the new you being born, rising up from the grave. Now, that doesn't mean that life is perfect. When you come out of the baptism waters, you're not going to have like a six pack and your boss is all of a sudden awesome, right? You're still going to have things to deal with. You may still have marital issues to deal with. You may still be tempted by sexual struggles or addiction or whatever the case may be. But the difference is, even though we're still going to be tempted and still might make mistakes. Now we have the Holy Spirit of God with us and the old self is dead. We're no longer a slave to what we used to be because we are reborn. We are made into something new. And people often say though, even in Christian circles, well, Corey, I was born this way. I was born with this bad temper. I was born with this sexual struggle. I was born with this addiction. I was just born that way. Do you know what I say to that? You know how Christians argue, can you be born that way or not be, not be born that way? Don't get wrapped up in that argument because it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter how we're born because Jesus Christ said we have to be born again. We're all born into depravity on some level. All of us are born into a sinful nature. One day, Jesus was walking around Jerusalem, a very intelligent Pharisee named Nicodemus. He was one of the good Pharisees. He walked up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how does a man get to heaven? And Jesus said, everyone is born twice, or they should be born twice. Once in water, which means a physical birth, and then once in the spirit. And if we're not born in the spirit, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So listen, all of you were born with some kind of propensity to do wrong things. That's why we are called to be born by Jesus Christ a second time. We're born into depravity, and then the second birth, we are born out of depravity into God's marvelous light, as the Bible calls it. Paul said it this way. Paul said, are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we walk in a new way of life. After baptism, you're not the same person that you were before baptism. You're a new creation. For if we've been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we'll be joined with him in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body is abolished. So we're no longer a slave to sin since the person, it means baptism, the person who has died, been baptized, has been freed of sin's claims. Doesn't mean you're gonna be perfect, but now you have God walking with you. You can live a cleaner life, a better life, and when you make mistakes, you can run to God and he can forgive us and put us back on the right track. So if you get baptized here, we're gonna pray Jesus' name over you. Now, why do we do that? First, I wanna tell you, there is no magical formula that I or anyone else can speak to save your soul. That's not how it works. In the same breath, there is nothing that I can say that can thwart your salvation either. I was saved in a denomination where they believed if you didn't say the exact right words that your baptism was no good. I don't believe that because the Bible says that no man can pluck you out of God's hand, right? What matters when you get baptized is the state of your heart. Where is your heart when you get into that water? I do wanna clarify this though. Though it doesn't depend on what I or anyone else say, we do love to pray the name of Jesus Christ over you because there is no other name under heaven and earth that can save your soul. That is the identity that you are taking and it is a very, very serious thing. This is what Paul says. And this, this verse 28 may be one of the most relevant scriptures for the United States right now. He says, for as many of you who have put on Jesus Christ, have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ like a garment. This part. There is no Jew or Greek Slave or free, man or woman, you are all one in Christ Jesus. Why is that such a relevant thing right now for us? Because we are a culture that finds our identity in everything except for God. I'm black, I'm white, I'm American, I'm Mexican, I'm a Canadian, I'm rich, I'm poor, I'm male, I'm female, I'm straight, I'm gay. We have all these identities. And Jesus is trying to make the point that we are to find our identity in him. The only identity, being an American, a white person, a a man or a woman, none of those things will save your soul. But if we identify first and foremost as a follower of Jesus, we will be saved. We will be saved. If we put him first, everything else will work itself out. So if you get baptized today, that is the identity. Listen, above all other things in my life, man, woman, my color, like my, the fact that I'm a father, all those things, the number one thing in my life, I'm a Christian. I'm identified as a follower of Jesus Christ. So the big question, do I have to? Do I have to do this to be saved? So if you get into the Bible, if you get into the New Testament, there's literally thousands of accounts of people giving their life to Jesus Christ and being saved in the New Testament, thousands. And there are three components to everyone who gives their life to Jesus Christ in the New Testament, okay? The first one is, is they ask for God to forgive them. They've realized that they've done evil things. God forgive me, God forgives them. The second component is they have saving faith. Now, we can believe that Jesus is up there, but just knowing that he's up there doesn't save us. It's having saving faith, which means we live every day like Jesus exists. 
We depend on him. We pray to him. We call on him when we need him, right? We have a relationship with him. And then the last thing that, that everyone who gives their life to Jesus in the New Testament does is they get baptized. Now, that doesn't directly answer the question, do I have to do this to go to heaven? But the reason why we don't directly answer that question is it's not a good question. Listen, if you were in this room right now and you claim to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, if we claim to be a follower of Jesus, that is telling the people around us that we at least have a rudimentary understanding of the cross. What do I mean by that? If we just have a, a little bit of knowledge of the cross, if we're a Christian, that means that we claim to understand that Jesus Christ came down from his throne in heaven, lived as a humble man. At, at 33 years of age, he was beaten, falsely arrested, spat upon, made fun of, and then nailed to a hunk of wood for nine hours until they jabbed a spear in his side to make sure that he had died from, other, from all the blood loss and asphyxiation. If we understand that God has done that for us, listen, how dare we look at him and say, do I have to? Jesus didn't have to die for us, but he did it because he loves us. God didn't have to give his only begotten son to die for a fallen humanity, but he did because he loves us. So here's the point. Whenever we find ourselves, guys, not just with baptism, let's say God tells you to sell everything and move to a foreign country. God, do I have to? When we understand the links that God has gone to for us, our questions should never be surrounded upon, do I have to do this? Do I have to? But when we truly love Jesus, when we truly understand what God has done for us, our questions should revolve around, what more can I do for you? You've done everything for me. What can I do for you? What can I give up for you? What can I sacrifice for you? Jesus was baptized. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for us. If all he asks out of us is to repent and be baptized, we can do that, easily do that. So here's the thing today. This is a new slide that I added on to the end of this. Regardless of where you are in this room today spiritually, all of us have an opportunity to respond to what Jesus has done. Everyone in this room, Regardless if this is the first time you've heard this lesson, regardless if this is the first time you have ever been to church, regardless if you've been baptized 30 years ago, all of us in this room have an opportunity to respond to the cross. The first group of people that have an opportunity to respond in here are people that you may not be a Christian. Maybe you're here because you are looking for the truth. You don't know what the truth is yet, but you're asking the big questions, right? What happens after this life? Is there something greater up there? Why am I here? What is the meaning of all this? If you're asking those kinds of big questions, Dave, who's one of our pastors, will be up here on my right, your left. You don't need to be afraid to ask him questions. You don't need to be afraid to ask him the hard questions. We actually think it's funny when you ask him the hardest questions. So you're welcome to do that. But if, you're, if you found yourself here today, and you're ready to start that journey, whatever that looks like, why don't you come up here and talk to Dave? He'd love to talk to you. That's the first way you can respond. If you're not a believer, come up here and talk to Dave. The second way that you can respond today is through what we've talked about today, baptism. 
If you are in this room and you have given your life to Jesus, but you have not taken this step, I want to ask you, and I don't mean this in like a judgmental, condescending way, why have you not done this yet? We have people in the back that'll get you clothes, they'll give you a towel, the water is warm, there's people that will pray with you, will get your information, will stay in touch with you so you don't fall through the cracks, will pray for you, all these things. What is keeping you from doing this? Let me tell you something. If there's something, if there's some of you in this room who you just haven't done this yet, but you, you're feeling it right now, I'm gonna encourage you. You will not be disappointed by the results of this. I'm not saying everything is gonna be perfect, but God will spark something in you and God will give you the, the means. He will walk with you to come hell or high water out in the real world outside of these walls. If you will be obedient to him, God will bless you in that obedience. He'll walk with you. He'll take care of you. I wanna encourage you. If God is speaking to you about this today, listen to him. Listen to him. You won't regret it. And then the last group of people in this room, Maybe you've been a Christian for, for 40, 50 years. Maybe you've been a Christian for 10 years. You've, you've gotten baptized. You, you walk the walk. You talk the talk. All that. We have communion in this room. At all the stations around the room where you see a lamp on a table. Listen, guys, don't ever take that for granted, please. I'm not trying to say that so, you know, like we can count the numbers and we have X amount. That's not why we do this. Jesus himself said, every time you gather as believers, take this and remember me. The body of Jesus Christ that was, was broken for us, that the blood that was shed for us, that should never become mundane to us. It is a big deal. And we get to ask God to forgive us. We can take the bread, we can take the wine, and we can meditate, and we can think on the fact that God loves us so much he gave his only son for me his only son for you, that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died. We should never forget that. There'll be people up at the front for prayer if you need that. Dave's right up here. Back through these double doors if you wanna get baptized. Communion's all around you. Please make yourself at home. Let me pray for you, okay? Father, Lord, we love you. God, I, I, I love this church, Lord. I, I love, love, love the people in this room. Father, regardless of where anyone in this room is in their journey, maybe they're just starting, maybe they've been walking this road for, for 60 years, wherever they are in their journey, Lord, let them keep walking forward. If someone needs to talk to Dave, if someone needs prayer, if someone needs to get baptized, or if they just need to take communion and slow down for a minute. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. Keep your hands on us, Lord. We pray all these things in your son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys to death. You're welcome to help yourself. Thank you.